Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our vision is knowing God, loving people, and making disciples. We trust this week's message will be a blessing to your life. Enjoy the teaching ministry of KLM. We're going to talk about prayer today. Again, <laughs> prayer is a subject that it's, it's, you can never... Um, there's so many facets of prayer that it will take a lifetime to dive into. And so while we're on this fast, I'll, I'm going to just go and hit from different angles about prayer. Today I'm talking about prayer, the foundation of knowing God, the foundation of knowing God, prayer. Listen to this quote. The unseen work of the kingdom is on our knees. Let's think about that. The unseen work of the kingdom of God is on our knees. People who pray don't have to talk about how much they pray. They pray in secret. And we see this from Matthew chapter 6, where Jesus tells us to pray in our closet or to pray in secret. Prayer is an intimate thing. There are times that we have corporate prayer like we do on the, through our Zoom calls throughout the, day, throughout the week and even Wednesday night and Friday nights. But then there are times that you, you need to spend some time by yourself in prayer. So the unseen work of the kingdom of God is our knees, is on our knees. We, we do battles on our knees. We fight. We are soldiers who have a different strategy of fighting. We fight on our knees. When was the last time you got on your knees, you, you physically? It's something about that, that posture of praying. It's a reminder of the fact that God is our king. We are bowing down before our king. Some of you all may have some weak knees. You know, you may have, have arthritis in your knees. But if you can, every now and then, if not every day, get on your knees and pray. There's something about it. It's a reminder of God being our king. And sometimes when you're on your knees, you, your knees may hurt if you, if you got like a wooden floor or even carpet. So you may want to put a pillow down and get on your knees. There's something about it. It reminds us of who's the Lord. We are not. He is. And even from Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, Paul says, I thank for this cause, I bow my knees unto our Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named after. So when we bow our knees, we are acknowledging the God of creation. So let's pray. Father God, we come to you in Jesus' name. Thank you for this opportunity to share your word with your people Grant unto me your son and your slave supernatural divine utterance that I may boldly make known the mysteries of the gospel. Grant unto your people the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you, that the eyes of their understanding will be enlightened, that they may know what is the hope of your calling, what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints, what is the exceeding greatness of your power towards me who believe. I pray for every person that they will get a revelation of prayer as a foundation of knowing you. Help us to pray. 
Remind us of the need to pray. Remind us of the joy to pray. Remind us of your delight in prayer. You are the God that delights in our prayers. There is a, there's a vase in heaven that is, is collecting all of our prayers. I thank you, Father, for the ability to pray. Thank you for the grace to pray. I pray that we here at Kingdom Living Ministries may become a praying people. May we learn how to pray heaven and earth together. May we be effective in our prayers, not religious, not off, but on target. May we pray in sync with the scriptures and by the promptings and the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we welcome you to teach us how to pray. I want you, wherever you are, lift up your hands half mass and begin to ask the Holy Spirit to teach you how to pray. Holy Spirit, teach us how to pray. For we want to know how to pray effectively. We want to know God in a better, and more intimate way through prayer and through the study of the word, through fasting, through praise and worship and all the other spiritual disciplines. We want to know you, Father God. We want to know you, Jesus. We want to know you, Holy Spirit. Help us to pray effectively. Teach us how to pray. Father God, remove the pride. Hide us from pride. For we think we know how to pray as we ought. For your word boldly declares in Romans 8 that the Spirit himself helps us to pray and intercede according to the will of God. We thank you, Father, for answering this prayer. Thank you for hearing my prayer this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Ian Bounds said this, Prayer is no, drudgery, is no drudgery performance, dead or death dealing, but it is a God's, God's enabling act for man, living and life-giving, and joy and joy-giving. Prayer is the contact of a living soul with God. In prayer, God stoops to kiss man, to bless man, to aid man in everything that God, has, God can devise or man can need. This is what prayer. He also went on to say that prayer is doing the business of the kingdom. Prayer is doing the business of the kingdom. Prayer is is working with God, together, God and I and God and us pray and we pray out the plan of God. We do the work of the kingdom. Part of the work of the kingdom is prayer. It's not just preaching and teaching and healing and driving out devils and witnessing and evangelizing. But prayer is part of the work of the kingdom. If you can see this, it will help you to look at prayer differently. Prayer is part of our Christian walk. It's part of this walk of faith. People who know how to pray, they know God. And this is why on last two Fridays, I, I invited some people to come and teach us how to pray by 
by example, by them praying. Prayer is caught more than it's taught. When we learn how to catch the spirit of prayer, and what do you mean? You may be asking, what do you mean by catching the spirit of prayer? I'm simply saying getting around people who know how to pray. I know a little bit about prayer, even though I've been studying it all my life. I know a little bit about it. I, I don't get cocky about it. And, and like I said last week and even the week before, the more I know, the more I learn about prayer, the more I realize I don't know how to pray. And it takes great humility. Prayer is something you can learn the principles of prayer, and you should. But we must spend some time in actual prayer. It's amazing to me that some prayer meetings, people call it a prayer meeting, but it's really a time of prophesying or preaching and teaching and, and doing everything but prayer. So we have to be careful about that. We guard against that. When we call a prayer meeting, we are coming together to pray. Prayer is important. That's why we set it up for 15 minutes where we pray scriptures. We're praying through the Lord's prayer. We're praying the word of God. There's something about when we put his word on our mouths. Dr. Miles Monroe, the late Dr. Miles Monroe said, God only hears his word in prayer. There's something about praying the word of God back to him. Today, we're going to talk about prayer, the foundation of knowing God. There's something about this grace called prayer. And you'll never experience it unless you spend some time praying. And part of the journey of learning how to pray is to actually do it. Some things you, you don't know until you actually practice it. Spend time daily in prayer. And I'm not talking about prayer on the go, which is important. Prayer while you're doing other things but actually spending time perhaps on your knees or sitting down. Sometimes walking is good while you pray. If you're walking in your room and you're spending time communing with the Holy Spirit and fellowshipping with the Father and the Son, but you need to have quiet times where you're praying. It, prayer is, can be done quietly, or it can be done loudly. But be open to how the Holy Spirit will lead you. Sometimes prayer is not always loud, and sometimes it's not always quiet, or, or, or you know, just kind of like hallelujah. <laughs> but it, it, it is, sometimes it's, a, it's, it's a in between. There, there's times of weeping in prayer, and then there's times of laughter and joy. Learning how to discern when the Holy Spirit is leading you and how to pray. We talked about praying with the Holy Spirit last week. Learning how to flow with the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God wants to teach us and He wants to lead us. Do not think because I'm talking about prayer that you know all there is that I'm going to say. And perhaps you have heard some of these things, but it's good to hear it again and again and again and again and again. Repetition it's the mother of learning, a mother of education and to learning, to learn it over and over again, learning how to pray, learning how to master the art or the grace of prayer. I don't, I don't even say master because you can't really master prayer. Prayer has to master you. The Spirit of God has to master you. Learning how to yield to the Word of God, taking that Word, the Word of God is a sword. 
And we need to take that sword and we need to speak it and pray it. We need to flow with the Spirit of God, learning how to recognize His leadership in prayer, learning what to say, what not to say. Spirit of God tell you not to pray certain things. Spirit of God will lead you how to pray effectively. If you can discern His leadership, you can learn how to pray. Prayer is more important than getting an education. Prayer is more important than getting that raise on the job. They can lay you off tomorrow, but prayer will get you your needs met. It's through the means and the grace of prayer that God has given the church. I have about seven or eight scriptures that I want to go through as we think through prayer, the foundation of knowing God. Knowing God is what we were created for. To know him is to love him. To really know God is to really love him. And to love him is to obey him. When you love God, you'll do what he told you to do. You'll keep his commandments. To obey him is to serve him. When we really serve God, we're, we, I mean, we really love God and obey him, we're serving him, which is really worship. We were created to worship. To serve him is to bless humanity. So as you serve God, you will be a greater value or greater blessing to the people around you and to the influence that God has given you. So to serve him is to bless humanity. There's a saying that says, to be heavenly minded is to be no earthly good. That's an incorrect or unbiblical saying. To be heavenly minded is to be some earthly good. I believe what people are trying to say is to be flaky minded or to be goofy, thinking, oh, I'm about God. It's like monks. You know, they're called to the service of God and they, they go into the mountain to, to pray. Well, if you understand, there are times that you need to go away in privacy. We see the Lord Jesus going to the mountain, waking up in the morning or stand up late at night to pray. But he didn't just do those things. He just didn't pray, but he also did some things. Well, God has never called a person just to pray, but also to pray and to act upon your faith and to act upon hearing God and obeying God. Prayer, the foundation of knowing God, of course, is the word of God. So we know that the word of God helps us to understand who he is, his character, understanding his emotions and what he feels about things, his commandments. But prayer and the word of God together are the foundations of knowing God, the triune God. But today we're going to focus on that, or that one grace called prayer. Prayer is a grace God has given to all of his children. Make it your business to learn how to pray. Don't allocate to others what you should be doing. Don't call. Sometimes people are quick to call their prayer partners. And it's okay to have a prayer partner, but I'm here to tell you there's one greater than any human being on the earth, and his name is the Holy Spirit. He's the best prayer partner. He wants to teach you how to pray. 
You don't have to call the 700 Club or the TBN or some Christian network for prayer. It's okay to do those things, but there's something greater, learning how to pray yourself. Again, we need to catch the spirit of prayer. Seek the Holy Spirit to teach you how to pray. The Holy Spirit is the greatest teacher. He has been sent to teach us the things of God. Now there are two, or there are twin killers of prayer. Twin killers of prayer. One is the attitude, it won't make a difference. The reason why some people don't pray is because they don't believe that God will answer that prayer because they've had many failures in prayer. And you know what I'm talking about? Where they go and they pray for something and it doesn't happen. So they get disappointed. It doesn't, or it doesn't happen the way that they thought it should have happened. That's, it harms your faith. It's a killer to prayer. Having an attitude that it won't make a difference. I challenge you, praying with your church 15 minutes a day will make a difference in your day and even in your week and even in your year, the, the rest of the year and even decades to come. Spending time with your spouse or your kids to pray will make a difference. Praying with yourself, with God by yourself will make a difference. Learning how to pray. Believe that God hears you when you pray and that he is on the other side answering those prayers. The other killer is laziness, is laziness. There are some who are lazy in prayer. They don't want, if it's not a two-minute prayer, they don't want to be involved with it. They want to come in and, and they, they want to fill the spirit immediately when they say Jesus. <laughs> they, want to, they want to sense his presence. But we have to learn how to wait on God in prayer. Learning how, it's just like becoming a minister. It doesn't happen overnight. God deals with your character. God, God messes with you, if I can say that. He, he, he straightens you out, straightens your thinking out. Put the kingdom's, kingdom's agenda in your heart. It's not about titles. Titles don't make us. We make the titles. God is in the process of making us a, a prayer, a prayer, P-R-A-Y, P-R-A, sorry, Y-E-R, a prayer. God is calling us to be a prayer, a praying church. The Bible boldly says in Mark chapter 11 that his house should be called a house of prayer. So we should be a praying church where we pray to the God of the universe and the God of Jesus and the God of the Bible. And God hears us and he answers our prayer. We are called to pray. You and I are called to pray. So learn how to resist laziness in prayer. Don't be lazy. It's going to take you some time to learn how to pray. You're not going to learn it in a session, a mentoring session with PD. You're going to, you're going to have to learn how to pray. And, and one of the best ways to learn how to pray is 
getting on your knees and praying, spending time with God, learning how to communicate with him. It's more than just talking to God, but it's, it's having sweet fellowship with God. I've been saying this the last three, four weeks, that it's something about sweet fellowship. Fellowshipping with God is the highest form of prayer. God wants you to go beyond just praying for your needs, but he wants you to pray to know him, pray to spend time with him. The highest level of prayer is fellowshipping with the Lord, is fellowshipping with the Lord. So what are the two killers of prayer? An attitude, it won't make a difference. Number two, laziness. So stop being lazy in prayer. Listen to me. Stop being lazy in prayer. Spend 15 minutes on your knees and pray, praying to the Lord. Get on your knees and, and enter to a time of thanksgiving. Turn off that cell phone. Ignore those likes on social media and learn how to pray. The amount of time that we spend on social media, we can spend time with God and God can give us the desires of our hearts. God can, we can make a difference in the world. You may not be the richest person in the world, but you can be rich in prayer. You can be rich spiritually. And perhaps if God see fit because of your character is proven to make you financially rich, let him do that. But we're not to seek. The Bible tells us not to seek to be rich. He tells us to be content. <laughs> seek to be content. <laughs> That's contrary to the world. The world says, go get it. Hustle. You know, hustle your way to the top. Do what you got to do. And I'm not, I'm not trying to damper your hustle or stop you from going after what you desire. But make sure God is at the center of your life and not just an afterthought. Let's go to John chapter 17, verse 3. John chapter 17, verse 3. This, this is really the Lord's Prayer. John chapter 17 is the Lord's Prayer. <laughs> What we often refer to as the Lord's Prayer is really, as some call, call it, the disciples' prayer. But John chapter 17, the Lord is actually doing the praying, and he's praying. John chapter 17, verse 3 says this, And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So in the middle of Jesus praying this prayer, he says this in verse 1 and 2. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, in his son, Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Eternal life is knowing God in his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus redefines eternal life. It's not just dying and going to heaven, but it's knowing God in his son, Jesus Christ. This fuels our prayer of knowing God. To know him is to have eternal life. To know him. Prayer is the foundation of knowing God. And the more you yield to this grace of prayer, 
the more you'll know him in ways nothing else would do. There, there is knowing him through his word, studying the scriptures, memorizing scriptures, confessing scriptures, acting upon the scriptures. But then there's the grace of prayer, what draws us into intimacy with him. Prayer is not a monologue. It's not one-sided. It is a dialogue. It is a communion. It is a partnership. It is a fellowship. It is intimacy with Father God. It's intimacy with Jesus. It's intimacy with the Holy Spirit when you pray. There's something happens when you are aware of his presence in prayer. Something that nothing you can do outside. Prayer brings on the power of God on the earth. It transfers his will on, from heaven onto the earth. There's something that happens when we pray. Every time we pray, there should be an exchange. I'm not saying that you should get goosebumps every time you pray. I'm not saying that you should get flashes or views or, 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 or many visions. But what I am saying is that you should get in contact with God every time you pray. Well, what happens? Something happens spiritually when we pray. There's an exchange that takes place. He exchanges, we exchange our worries, our anxieties for his peace. We exchange our humility for his exhortation. We exchange our, our sickness for his healing. We exchange our poverty for his wealth. We exchange our ignorance for his knowledge. He gives us, he cleanses us for, as, as we exchange our sins for the precious blood of Jesus to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He reminds us of what he says about us in prayer. If you'll learn how to pray, prayer is a powerful grace. It's a powerful force. There's nothing like it. It, it, it connects you with the God who created you. God's presence, God's peace is how he lives all the time. So when we experience his peace, we experience the way God lives. That something happens in prayer. And Jesus says, eternal life is knowing the true God and Jesus Christ whom he sent. To know Jesus, to know the Father, to know the Holy Spirit. This is what we're called to. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Let's look at verse 9. God is faithful. Come on, say this out loud. God is faithful. God is faithful. Even when you and I are not faithful, he remains faithful. By whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. We were called into fellowship with Jesus. Jesus, the father called us out of darkness into his marvelous light, into union with his son. Relationship is a matter of birth. Fellowship is a matter of choice. You and I got born again. So we're related to God by the blood of Jesus. God is our father. He gave us his spirit, the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. So we have his spirit. 
His spirit lives on the inside of us. If you're born again and Jesus is your Lord, you have the spirit of God inside of you. So relationship is a matter of being born again. But fellowship is a matter of being of, of, of choosing to spend time with God. Relationship versus I once did a message called relationship versus fellowship. Relationship is a matter of birth, being born again. Fellowship is a matter of choice. You have to choose to spend time with God every single day. When a person backslides, it doesn't mean that God is no longer their father. They're just out of fellowship with the father. They're out of fellowship with God. But when they acknowledge their sins, God, Jesus cleanses them from all unrighteousness and they're back into fellowship with the father. When we sin, sin breaks our fellowship with Father God. So God does not disown us when we mess up and backslide. He actually tells us in the Old Testament, he's married to the backslider. Relationship is a matter of birth, being born again. It, it takes a lot for you to disconnect yourself from God. It, 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 you know, people, there's a great debate whether or not you can lose your salvation. And I'm not here to talk about either way. But what I'm saying to you is that it takes a lot to lose your salvation. And if you could have lost it just like that, you would have already lost it. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to say that you're always saved and you can go do what you want to do. What I'm saying to you, that when the Lord saves us, he saves us. And that it takes a lot for that salvation to stop working in your life. It takes a whole lot more than you slipping up and saying a cuss word. Totally renouncing God is another thing and denying the works of the Holy Spirit and, and, and turning your back on God. That's a whole different teaching. But relationship is a matter of birth. Fellowship is a matter of choice. You have to choose to spend time with the Lord daily. It's a fight to spend time with God because you have a lot of distractions you have things inwardly, that, that's a distraction. You, your mind is wandering and you're thinking about other stuff. And then there's the life, right? You have, if you have children, you have aches in your pain, you, you have bills due, you got work, you got school, you got things going on, right? And it's a fight to spend that time with God. But I, I want to encourage you and challenge you to spend time with God every single day. It is our duty as Christians. It is our joy to spend time with God, especially in prayer. God desires for his children to come to him through prayer, to spend time with him, not just always asking things. And, and, and we're going to talk about the art of asking. But don't always come to God asking. But he doesn't mind it, though. He, he delights in, in meeting our needs. But there is a higher way of praying. There is a higher level. To get your needs met is one thing. But to spend time, to, just to pray, just to spend time in his presence is another. And that's for, that's where the maturing comes in. Because when you know him, you know the needs are going to be met. If you're a tither, you know that th those needs are going to be met. He promised to meet your needs. He did. And when you know him as a provider, you can rest assured the needs will be met. And you know how to, to, to believe him for the impossible. God has called us to the fellowship of Jesus. One of the main ways we fellowship with Jesus is through prayer. Go with me to 1 John chapter 1. 
1 John chapter 1. We talked a little bit about these scriptures last week. 1 John chapter 1. We're talking about prayer, the foundation of knowing God. Prayer. It's more than talking to God. It's fellowshipping with him. It's having communion. What is communion? You keep using the word communion, Pastor Dwayne. It's intimacy. It's a partnership. It's your heart crying out to God's heart. Your spirit fellowshipping with Father God. When I pray in tongues, I'm pr my spirit is praying with the help of the Holy Spirit to the Father. When I pray in my native tongue, my understanding now is fellowshipping with Father God. God wants us to be proficient in both in the spirit and with our understanding. First John chapter one, verse three says this, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you so that you all that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with who? The father and with the son. Fellowship with Father God, fellowship with the Son. As you grow in your knowledge of the Father, you will be able to fellowship with the Father more intimately. When you grow in your understanding of the Son, you will begin to fellowship with Him more. Likewise with the Holy Spirit. As you grow in your knowledge of the Holy Spirit, you will get to know Him better. The triune God, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Spending time with the Father, spending time with Jesus, spending time with the Holy Spirit. 1 John chapter 5, verse 20. 1 John chapter 5, verse 20 says this, And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know Him who is true, and we are in Him who is true and his son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God in eternal life. Jesus came to give us understanding of the Father. He came to reveal the Father to us. If, you, if you're confused about the Old Testament, sometimes it, the wording may be confusing when it says, the, the Lord sent an evil spirit on Saul. Well, to interpret the Old Testament, you just look at the life and the teachings of Jesus. And it revealed to you the Father's character. In light of who Jesus has revealed, we know that the Father does not send evil spirits. The wording is different as it was been translated from Hebrew into English. And there's a permissible one and there's a causative. And a lot of times it's more permissible where the Lord allowed an evil spirit to come upon Saul as, mo as opposed to he's sending an evil spirit. We know that there are no evil spirits in heaven. Just as a side note, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 13. We went there last week. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, and let's look at verse 14. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. This is Paul ending his letter. It's his final greetings. And he's saying that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
the grace, the unmerited favor. But grace is much more than unmerited favor. And, and perhaps we need to do some teaching on grace. It is the divine influence upon one's heart and the reflection of that influence in one's life. The divine influence upon one's heart and the reflection of that influence in one's life. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we know from John that law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus. Grace, something about this grace, the grace of Jesus. Then it goes on and says the love of God the Father. It doesn't say Father, but it, the connotation is God the Father, the love of God. And we know from Romans 8, it says nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus nor death, nor angels, principalities, nor famine. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. God loved us in Christ. So this grace of Jesus and the love of God the Father and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Understand this grace. Walk in this grace. Embrace this grace by faith. And, and allow that grace to transform you. Understand the love of God that is in Christ Jesus and embrace the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. We see the triune God at play, at work in this, in this one verse. So we're to fellowship with the Spirit of God through prayer and worship. The Spirit of God is here now, right where you are. He is where you are right now. And he wants to fellowship with you. Even as you're hearing the word of God, he wants to fellowship with you. Let's go over to John chapter 14. Got a couple more scriptures. John chapter 14. Let's look at verse 15. Start with verse 15. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, he will get, give you another helper to be with you forever. How many know the spirit of God has been sent from the Father in the Son on the day of Pentecost. The Bible says, and, and suddenly the Spirit of God came and he filled the house and he filled all who was there. And he's with us forever. Say, the Holy Spirit is with me forever. The Holy Spirit is with us forever and ever and all the way into eternity. Even the spirit, verse 17, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he dwells with you and he will be with you. This is Jesus talking to the disciples prior to the resurrection. The Holy Spirit was with them, but he was not in them. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit came after the resurrection. Verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. How does Jesus come to us? by way of the Holy Spirit. Yet a little while the world will see me no more, but you will see me. How do we see him? Through the Holy Spirit. Because I live, you also live. And in the day you will know that I'm in my Father and you and me and I and you. So that, that speaks of this relationship. Jesus is in the Father and we are in Jesus and Jesus is in us. <laughs> what, what a wonderful intimacy. You can't get closer to anybody as being inside of them. So God is so close to us that he lives on the inside of us. Verse 21, whoever has my commandments keeps them. 
he it is who loves me. So if we love God, if we love Jesus, then we'll keep his commandments. And he who loves me will be what? Loved by my father. So as we love Jesus, the father God will give us his special love. There's a love that he has for the world. But then there's a love that he has for the believer. He calls the believer his beloved, the beloved of God. And if we'll love Jesus, the Father will love us. And, and it goes on and says, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. So as we love Jesus and keeps his commandments, the Father will love us. Jesus will love us in a special way and he will manifest himself to us. That's, that's here in the, in the scriptures. As we love on Jesus and obey him, he says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Out of our love for Jesus, we'll keep his commandments. Don't tell me you love the Lord and you don't go to church. Don't tell me you love the Lord and you don't spend any time with him, right? A lot of people, they're they, they looking for feelings. I love the Lord. You know, perhaps a song or, you know, they, they're thinking about this fuzzy feeling about loving the Lord. How do you know you love the Lord? If you keep his commandments, if you do what he says. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my command or keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Sweet fellowship. So we see the spirit of God fellowshipping with the spirit of God from 2 Corinthians 13, 14. And we see as we love on Jesus First, Jesus said he's going to send us his spirit. He said, I'm going to ask the Father to send you a helper, a comforter, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. But you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. That's prior to the resurrection. After the resurrection, the spirit of God is in us. And we see as we love on Jesus, the Father will love on us, and Jesus will love on us, and Jesus will manifest himself on us. And the Bible says if we keep his commandments or keep his word, the Father will love us even more so. And then it goes on and says, and they, they, Father and Son, will come and make their permanent home on the inside of us. That speaks of fellowship. You don't, you don't make yourself home every place, right? I hope you don't. Every, every place you go, you should make it your home. Home is a sacred place. Home is an intimate place. Home is where you get naked. <laughs> naked. Home is where you eat and, you, and you, maybe you snore or smack or you use the bathroom. Home is a place you let your hair down if you got any. Home is where you take a shower. <laughs> Home is a special place. And the Father and the Son will make their place in us, make their home. This is where I talk about a lot of times you hear these sayings, like I said, habitation versus Visitation versus habitation, habitation versus visitation. So I'm not looking for a visitation. I'm not looking for a visitation. I'm looking for a habitation. I'm looking for the Father and the Son to make their home, their habitation in me. That where I go, they go. What I say, they say. <laughs> I speak their words and I do those things which are always pleasing to my Father. That's the type of prayer life that I want. 
that I, I'm thinking his thoughts, I'm praying his word, and I'm walking his faith, in his faith, and I'm flowing by his spirit. His spirit is leading me and guiding me and directing me, and my steps are ordered, and my life is in order. My, I may have troubles, which I will, and, but I overcome them day by day. I'm overcoming trials, and I, I'm victorious. When the enemy comes in, I, like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord raises up a standard against him. I overcome day by day. I go from faith to faith, from trial to trial, from strength to strength, from glory to glory. I don't stop believing God when things don't look crazy. <laughs> when I get sick, I call on him as a healer. <laughs> when I need some finances, I call on him as provider. When I need some wisdom and dramatical relationship, I call on him for the wisdom of God. <clears throat> I'm telling you, God wants us to live in victory, even in the midst of a trouble. <clears throat> even as I walk through the shadow of the valley of death, he's with me. He's walking with me. He's walking in me. He's, he's, he's leading me and guiding me. There is such a sweetness, a sweet fellowship. Let's go. I believe this will be my last scripture. Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. We're talking about prayer, the foundation of knowing God. Revelation chapter 3 verse 20 says this. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. This speaks of relationship and fellowship. Jesus is not knocking at the door of unbelievers' hearts. This verse is referring to Christians, to a church, to believers. It says, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. He's talking to the church. So Jesus is on the outside trying to get inside of his church. He's knocking. He's knocking at the door of your heart right now. As a Christian, he's knocking. We need to let him in. Well, I've already got saved. We're not talking about being saved. We're talking about fellowship now. To be born again is one thing, but to fellowship is another. And Jesus is knocking at our, on the doors of our heart in order to fellowship with us. Jesus wants, wants to come to your house and sit down to eat with you. He wants to spend some time with you. Prayer opens the door and faith is the key to unlock it. And check this out. Humility is the invitation for the Lord to come in and to sup with us. Humility is the, the invitation. As my wife said recently, got a revelation about it, that humility makes us irresistible to God. Humility opens the, invites and invokes the presence of Jesus to come in and to dwell with us in a way that he's not dwelling with everyone. I'm not talking about his omnipresence. I'm talking about his manifested presence. He said he'll manifest himself to those who love Jesus and keep his commandments. The Father will love him. 
Jesus will love him and Jesus will manifest himself to that person. Let's go and grow with God in a way that we've never been. Let's open our hearts, open our lives up to Jesus. For Jesus is knocking even now. He's knocking. He's dealing with you to come and spend time with him in prayer. Stop being a prayerless Christian. The Bible doesn't know a prayerless Christian. And yet we have Christians who don't pray. And when I say pray, I'm not talking about Shama for Lord bless this food and that's it. I'm talking about intimacy. It's not the it's not the quantity of prayer. It's the quality of prayer. And most prayer times are not full of quality. You can pray for a long period of time and still not pray. You can go through the rituals and say all the right things. You can even pray scriptures or say scriptures and still not make a difference in heaven. It's, it's, it's humility. You have to, have to have humility of heart. You have to pray in faith. Hebrews eleven six. He that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You got to believe who God, <coughs> you got to believe who God is. And you got to believe that he's going to reward you. He's going to answer your prayer. I lied. There's one more scripture. James chapter four. James chapter four. As we end this. James chapter 4, verses 4 through 8 says this. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is intimacy, intimacy with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. I want to be a friend of God. And that speaks of intimacy. You can't choose your relatives, but you can choose your friends. Your mama and your daddy is who they are. Your brothers and your sisters, your cousins, your aunts, uncles, your grandparents, you can't choose those for the most part. <laughs> Unless you're adopted and, you know, that's a different story. <laughs> but you, you choose your friends. You don't let all your, you don't, you're not, you're not, you're not to be friends with everyone. You can't be. It's impossible. You, you have associates. Friendships is a different level. I heard my former pastor say this years ago. If you get one or two good friends in this life, you got the best that this life has to offer. If you get one or two good friends, there's a lot of people who want to call themselves your friends, but they're not. A friend stick is closer than a brother. A friend will be there in your good times, bad times. They won't hate on you. They won't get jealous of you. They'll be with, they'll celebrate you when you're being celebrated and they'll cry with you when you're going through. Jesus is that type of friend. He's, he, he's a friend. He's a brother that's thicker, closer than a friend. He, he, he'll, he'll stay with you and be with you in, in, in the midst of whatever hell you may walk. If you're walking through hell right now, Jesus is walking with you. That's good news, good folks. That's good news, people of God, that knowing that Jesus is walking with me, I... I, I, you know, I hate this, this saying, Lord, be with us. No, I don't have to pray for him to be with me because I'm aware that he's with me all the time. He said, he'll never leave me nor forsake me. So I'm not praying for the Lord to be with me. I'm acknowledging his presence with me. So 
He goes on, it says, verse 5, or do, you not, or, do, or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he's made to dwell in us, but he's given us more grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So my friends, if you want to grow in your fellowship with God, you got to grow in prayer and you got to be humble when you pray. Prayer is dependence upon God. When you really pray, you're depending upon God. Even when you use your faith and speak the word of God over your situation, it is a faith in God, not faith in yourself, but faith in God. And it goes on. It says this, submit yourself, therefore, to God and resist the devil. How do you deal with the devil? You resist him. You submit to God and you resist him. And he will flee from you. Verse 8. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. That's fellowship. Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. You have to make the first step to draw near to God. Friendship with God is fellowship with him. Prayer is the foundation of knowing him. He resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. As we humble ourselves in prayer, he draws near to us. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. This is one of the, this is the greatest promises. One of the greatest promises in the word of God. If we'll draw near to God, he'll draw near to us. It, it is our choice. The amount of, that you know God is, is, is more on you than it's on God. God has already made provision. He's torn the veil destroy the temple, the physical temple, so that you and I can go beyond the veil. Like some people are like, oh, I got to go beyond the veil like it's some deep stuff. No, they need to stop that. Listen, we, 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 the veil has been destroyed and now we have access, <laughs> not excessive, but access, A-C-C-E-S-S. -S. <laughs> I think I misspelled it. <laughs> um, access to God through the blood of Jesus. And so we have access to him by the blood of Jesus and by the Spirit of God. That's Ephesians 2. We have access to God. We fellowship with Father God. We fellowship with Jesus. We fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And this scripture tells me, if I draw near to God, he'll draw near to me. What are you waiting for? Today's the day for you to draw near to God. Today's the day for you. If you're not born again, God wants you to be born again. That's the first step into fellowship with Father God. That's the first step into fellowship and friendship with Jesus. That's the first step into sweet communion with the Holy Spirit is to get to know God as the Savior of your soul and your spirit. The Bible says, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. And you have to believe in your heart that God raised Christ from the dead, which lets me know that first I got to believe that Jesus came. He died. He lived a perfect life, died on a cross that was designed for you and I, satisfied God's wrath and judgment. It was in the grave for three days. And God, by his spirit, raised Jesus from the dead so that Jesus could be born again. He was raised for our justification. Today is your day to receive Christ. And I extend this opportunity to you. Don't let another day go by, another minute go by without making Jesus the Lord of your life. The greatest thing you can ever do is making Jesus the Lord of your life. Because this life is short, my friend. You have a small amount of time on the earth 
maybe 70, 80 years for most people. Some people live to be 120 like PD, praise the Lord. Uh, but you have to make a decision. So draw near to God today by receiving Jesus as your Savior. Pray this prayer after me. Mean it with your heart. Say, Father God, I come to you in Jesus' name. I acknowledge that I am a sinner. I believe that you sent Jesus to die for me. I confess Jesus as Lord, as my Lord. And I believe in my heart that God has raised him from the dead. I receive eternal life. I receive salvation in Jesus' name. Amen. That concludes this week's message, and thank you very much for listening. For more information about Kingdom Living Ministries, please call us at 732-324-2200 or visit our website at kingdomlivingnj.org. Also, you can write to us by mail at P.O. Box 519, Rancocas, New Jersey, 08073. And lastly, if you would like to partner with this ministry through your prayers or financial support, contact us via email at partners at kingdomlivingnj.org. Our prayer is that this message has encouraged you to live out the kingdom of God daily in your life by your obedience to His Word. God bless you.